Okay, so we're in a series called More Than Words, and we're talking about the Bible. I started this series two weeks ago, and um, uh, called, and we, the title was Bread. This weekend, the title is Water. We, we saw how that the Bible is our bread. It is nourishment to us. I want to show you how it's water. Now, just to use an analogy, bread represents food, and we know it's the Word of God, so this is our, our nourishment. How long could you go without food? Well, most experts say 40 to 80 days. How long could you go without water? Most experts say, depending on physical conditioning, 7 to 14. Some have said 7 to 21 days. But somewhere in that range, 7 to 21 days. If the Bible is food and water, how long spiritually can you go without this book? Now, I know that our spirits are saved and sealed, saved by the blood, sealed by the Spirit, but I think we have a lot of malnourished Christians. I don't think they're eating their bread and drinking their water daily like they should be. So I just want to show you how Scripture, if you want to turn to two, you can turn to Revelation 12 and Psalm 69. I, I started the church 18 years ago this Easter, and I always said turn two passages. Now nobody turns, everybody clicks. So I don't know how this, you just do whatever you want to do, but just make sure you read the Bible, all right? Uh, so uh, Revelation 12, Psalm 69, we're actually going to go through more, a lot more Scripture than that. Before we ever get to those, I want to pick up on where we were two weeks ago about bread from heaven. He said God gave him bread from heaven, but the true bread is Jesus, and we know Jesus is the Word. But I want to watch, just show you how God ties bread and water together, meaning the Word of God, all right? So Psalm 105, verse 40 says, The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. This is what we talked about two weeks ago. But then it says, verse 41, he opened the rock and water gushed out. Now, there, there was literal bread, manna, is what they called it. The word manna, by the way, means what is this? There are some things that just aren't that spiritual in the Bible. Just, you know, like a Texan would say, what's that? So it's, that's, the, that's what manna means. What's that? Okay. But it represents something in the spiritual. Is it possible that the rock represents something in the spiritual? As a matter of fact, and there was a literal rock. There was a literal rock. There was literal bread. There was literal water. Water came out of a rock. But it actually says that this rock followed them. I don't know if you've ever, ever seen a rock following anybody. But that would scare you as much as a, a bush burning that didn't burn up. There are things that you can think all day, you're not going to be able to understand it because our God's a supernatural God. But I just want you to know, this book is a spiritual book. This book is a spiritual book, listen to me carefully, or you'll never understand the Bible, written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. That's why, Dr. Gillens, you said today, scientists having such a hard time understanding Because I'll show you the scripture later. The natural mind can't understand it. It can only be spiritually discerned. 
Okay, so there are so many spiritual meanings in this book, spiritual meanings, that boy, if you ever get in it and you see the spiritual meanings, you won't be able to put this thing down. I promise you. I, I, I'm This series, you know my goal for this series is to get you reading this book. And, and come on, let's just face it. You're Christians. Sooner or later, you're going to have to read this book, okay? <laughs> but I want to make it exciting for you because it is exciting. It's not a history book. It's not a literature book. It's an autobiography from God. God himself gave us this book. And I want us to read it. So we've got that he opened the rock and water gushed out. Now we have a New Testament scripture, and I'm saying the rock has a spiritual meaning and water has a spiritual meaning. And I'm not reading you the scripture, but the one right before what I'm gonna give you says that even bread has a spiritual meaning. Okay, but let me show you this. 1 Corinthians 10 verse four says, and they all drank that same, what kind of drink? Spiritual drink, but they drank literal water. But he says it's a spiritual drink. Watch, for they drank of that, what? Spiritual rock that followed them. See, a while ago, y'all thought I was crazy. I'm not crazy. I read this in the Bible. And that rock was Christ. And by the way, the cloud that went before them by day and the fire by night was the Holy Spirit. The cloud and the fire. Read how many times cloud and fire represent the Spirit. Okay. That rock was Christ. So, water represents the Word. I'm going to show you a lot more Scripture on it. But let me tell you what's going on today. Right now, with the scientists that, that Dr. Gillen debates uh, with the, the uh, universities. Dr. Brooks goes into the universities. Let me tell you what is going on in, in the world and in your life every day. It's a war of words. It's a war of words. And whose word are you going to believe? Because God is telling you what actually happened and what's true. And Satan is saying, did God really say that? You really think that's true? Don't you think God's holding out on you? It's a war of words. So I'm going to show you the war of words. So I've got three points, but let me just tell you this uh, so you can kind of get three words in your mind that begin with the same letter. Satan wants to famish us. He wants to flood us. First of all, flood. He wants to flood us with his words. He wants to famish us from the word of God and God wants to fill us with his word. So Satan wants to flood and famish, and God wants to fill, all right? So here's point number one. Satan tries to flood us. Satan is trying to flood us with words, all right? So Revelation 12, if you're there, um, just watch how easy this is to know who it's talking about. I know there are some verses in Revelation hard to understand, but there are many that are very easy to understand. This is one of the easy ones. Verse nine. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Okay, that's not really hard to figure out who he's talking about, is it? Okay. The devil, Satan, dragon, serpent. Okay. Who deceives the whole world. He was cast there and the angels were cast out with him. All right. So the serpent is the devil. Everyone agree with that? 
We just read it. Serpent called the devil and Satan. Wait, I just want to make sure. Everyone agree with that? The serpent is the devil, right? Okay. Now watch what the serpent does. And I'm going to bring in one other type and shadow for you, and that's the woman, and the woman represents the church. But watch what he does. Verse 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Okay, listen to me. What comes out of your mouth? Words. Satan spews water, words, out of his mouth after the church to cause you to be carried away. You ever, nobody would say another way. You ever had a flood of words come against you? <laughs> You're not going to make it. You're going to die early. People in your family die early. You have this disease in your family. You're not going to make You are not going to make You're not going to make 50. You're, you might not even make it till the end of this sermon. Just a flood. You're, you married the wrong person. You're, you're in the wrong marriage. You're in the wrong job. God doesn't like you. Tithing doesn't work. There's a whole, it's just a flood coming against you. Here, here's one. Yeah, I don't know if you ever heard this. Maybe I'm the only one. Y'all don't think I'm weird, I know. But you ever, you ever hear, you're crazy. <laughs> and you know what you think sometimes? I know. <laughs> And then this is what he says to prove it. You're talking to yourself right now. I know. <laughs> Actually, you're not talking to yourself. He's talking to you. So water represents words. Let me show you. David writes about it. Psalm 69, verse 1. Save me, O God. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Now, the reason David wrote this is he was walking along one day and he fell in a creek. That's a joke. <laughs> not good one, but it's a joke. Okay. That's, he's not talking about literal waters. I'm telling you this book has a spiritual meaning. He even tells you, just read the, all of Psalm 69. I wish you could have read the whole thing. He says it over and over and over. The enemies, my enemies are coming against me. It's a word. It's a flood of words coming against him. You're not going to be king. Absalom's going to take the throne from you. Just a flood of words. God's getting you back for your sin. Hey, there's a good flood from the enemy. You ever heard that one? God's punishing you for your sin. And I've told you this before. Please hear me. Theologically, God can never punish you for your sin if you've accepted Jesus because he already punished Jesus. He can't punish two people for the same crime. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I've come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Verse 14 and 15, deliver me out of the mire. Let me not seek. Let me be delivered from those who hate me. That's his enemies. Out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up. Let not the pit, which represents hell itself, shut his mouth on me. And if you don't think the floods are, we're talking about the words of the enemy, watch this verse and try to explain it some other way. Psalm 93, verse 3. The floods have lifted up, O oh Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. See, they can talk. The floods represent the words of the enemy. The floods lift up their waves. But watch verse 4, I love it. 
but the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. <laughs> it says the floods have lifted up their voice. And then it says, yeah, but his voice is louder than their voice. See, they can talk. The floods lift up their voice. The floods are trying to get me carried away. I'm telling you, when you start seeing this stuff in Scripture, so many things come alive. Here's one. I, don't have, I didn't have time to show it to you. I had all these Scriptures in my notes. I had 300 Scriptures probably. I just had way too many for our time period. But here's one. Jesus says, the man who hears my words and builds his house on the Word of God is like a man who builds on a rock. The rock is Christ. And then this is what he says. And the floods come. But they don't knock that house down because it's built on the Word of God. There's so many scripture in here that will come alive to you. Okay, now, God can talk. Satan can talk. But we got another problem. You can talk. Let me ask you this way. Has your mouth ever gotten you in trouble? I'll take that as a yes. Okay, I'm telling you, deep waters, floods, all right, represent words, right? We need to know about the, the word of God is a fountain. It's word, it's the word, it's water of life, Jesus called it. Floods, deep waters, represent the enemy's words. But watch, I'm gonna tell you, your words are water also. And you can drown yourself. Watch. I'm going to show it to you. Proverbs 18.4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. You can talk yourself into falling. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Proverbs 6.2. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You're in bondage because of your own mouth. Okay, so, so why is this? Uh, I'm going to give you one more scripture. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay, I studied, I thought about that for a long time. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Does that mean I could speak and someone could die and I can speak and someone else can live? No. Here's what it means. God speak, word, speaks words of life. Satan speaks words of death. And I have the power to agree with one of them. I can agree with the one who speaks life over me or I can agree with the one who speaks death over me and now death and life are in the power of my tongue. Y'all just don't even know how good this sermon is. This is just such a good sermon. I'm telling you, this is, this is water, but you better watch out for the floods. And there's only one thing they can defeat the floods. And let me read it to you. Um, Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. This is the standard. This is the standard. Three times that we know of, and probably other times, but three times we have recorded, Satan came in like a flood, Jesus had fasted 40 days. He told him, turn the rocks into bread. That's a pretty good temptation after you hadn't eaten for 40 days. 
Three times, listen, this is so important. Three times, Jesus quoted scripture to overcome temptation. It is written, it is written, it is written. Okay, I have a question for you. If the Son of God uses the Bible to overcome temptation, how much more do you need to use the Bible to overcome temptation? The Son of God himself, when he gets tempted, says, let me tell you how I'm going to come against this temptation. Not with my own intellect or my own thoughts. I'm just going to quote the Bible. It is written, it is written, it is written. And the tempter left. So number one, Satan tries to flood us. Here's number two, Satan tries to famish us. He tries to famish us. from the. He doesn't want us to hear the word of God because that's what will deliver us. That's what will save us. Uh, Amos 8.11, watch, remember we're talking about bread and water. Okay, watch. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, that was the message two weeks ago, nor a thirst for water, that's the message today, watch, but of hearing the words of the Lord. A spiritual famine. See, again, all through the Bible, there are two conversations going on. There's a natural one and a spiritual one. And most people are missing the spiritual one. He said, I'm going to send a famine on land, not a natural famine. I'm going to send a spiritual famine. By the way, notice it said of hearing the words of the Lord. It did not say a famine of the words of the Lord. Let me explain to you. There are plenty of words of God. The problem is us hearing them. As a matter of fact, when you think about it, if this book really can do what the Bible says it can do, Joshua 1.8, the person who meditates on it, be successful in everything he does, everything he does. Psalm 1, the man who meditates on the Word of God will be like a tree planted by the water whose leaves don't wither and who ever, whatever he does prospers. Whatever he does prospers. And don't, don't, don't get the hyper-prosperity definition there that you're going to get a bunch of money and drive a certain car and have gold chains and all that. That's not what it is. The Hebrew word prosper has two definitions. One is a person has a burden and you get behind that person and help that person carry the burden up the hill. And the other is you actually take the burden off the person and carry it for, for him. That, that's what, it, when God prospers you, he takes your burden and carries it for you. That's, that's pretty good. How, whatever he does prospers, marriage, family, children, health, finances, career. If you meditate on the book day and night, whatever you do will prosper. If we believed that, it would change our habits. We'd be meditating on this book a whole lot more, wouldn't we? Okay. So he said, I'm going to send, there's going to come a famine, not for bread and water, literal bread and water, but for spiritual bread and spiritual water, and that's the word of God hearing the words of the Lord. Mark 4, verse 14. The sower sows the word. This is Jesus explaining the parable of the sower and the seed. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, watch, when they hear, it's all about hearing the word, when they hear, Satan comes in a week. What, it doesn't say in a week? In, within 24 hours. Oh, immediately, and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, 
I'm a theologian. I love theology. There are many, many scriptures that I don't have revelation of. And uh, people, here's the amazing thing, is people will try to figure them out and they'll come up with some unbelievable thing. You, you can't figure the Bible out. God has to reveal it to you. So this scripture right here, I could never figure out one thing. Here's what it said. Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And that's Jesus talking. Okay, here's what I couldn't figure out. You mean Satan can take the word out of my heart? And that scared me. Thy word have I hidden in my heart. Hidden. <laughs> so that I might not sin against you. So I've got Jesus saying that Satan can take the word out of my heart. So how can he take the word out of my heart? So this week I'm studying and praying. I come to this scripture. And I said, Lord, you know, it's been years. And I've never understood that scripture. And it was like, okay. And he gave it to me, just like that. So how can Satan take the word out of your heart? Okay, remember God speaks and Satan speaks and we can speak and we, can, we either agree, all of our words either agree with God's word or Satan's words. Okay, but when you speak, guess from where you speak? <laughs> from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God sows the word, someone speaks the word, preaches the word, teaches the word, you read the word, and the word is sown in your heart. Satan, what he does is immediately tries to get you to speak something in opposition of the word you just heard, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and when you speak it out, it leaves your heart. That's the problem. So when God speaks something to me, I have to immediately hide it in my heart. I have to meditate on it. I have to memorize it. I have to hold on to it. I have to ponder it like Mary did when the angel came to her. I have to hold on to that word, hold fast to the word that you've received. Otherwise, Satan will come and try to get me to speak something that disagrees with what God told me. And when I speak, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and the word can leave. Are y'all following me? And the word leaves my heart because I'm the one that spoke it out. So Satan tries to flood us and he tries to famish us. And here's point three. Jesus wants to fill us. He wants to fill us with the word of God. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, I quoted this a while ago, but let me just, it's worth reading. Verse 13, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Don't let it surprise you when people who don't know Christ argue against the Bible. They do not receive the things of God. For they are foolish to him, nor can he know, this Greek word for know means understand, he can't even understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Okay, so we're talking about two conversations, natural and spiritual. And people who read the Bible just with natural eyes are never gonna understand it. You have to read it with spiritual eyes. It's a spiritual book written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. So let me show you a conversation and watch the natural and the spiritual conversation happening, all right? This is the woman at the well. John 4, verse 7. 
A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? By the way, 2,000 years ago, that's racism right there. (laughs) And racism is older than that, but there's racism right there. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, listen listen to this, can you imagine Jesus saying this? If you knew the gift of God, (laughs) I love this, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Did you realize, can you imagine Jesus? And he says, if you just knew who you're talk, you were talking to right now, if you just knew that I created the whole universe and I hold it in the palm of my hand, the span, I measured the universe off by the span of my hand. If you want to know how big the universe is, it's, it's, it's this big right there in God's hand, the whole thing. That's how big it is. And he's thinking, if you just knew who was talking here right now, I just love that. Okay, so there's the spiritual conversation, right? He's talking spiritually. Now watch her go right back to the natural conversation. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. In other words, logic says, science says, The well is deep and you have nothing to draw with. And then I like this. Where did you get that living water? Watch this. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Duh. (laughs) Yeah, he is. Who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks this water, this natural water, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the spiritual water, the water that I give, will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become a fountain of living water springing up into everlasting life. Do you see the natural and the spiritual? See, don't let anybody talk you out of that this Bible's the word of God. Because if they're natural-minded, if they haven't come to Christ yet, if they're not reading this book with spiritual eyes, this is, what, this is how foolish their argument be. Well, you don't have anything to draw with. How are you going to get the water out? And Jesus says, I'm not talking about natural water. I'm talking about spiritual water. Are y'all, y'all following me? It's phenomenal. So he says it'll become a fountain on the inside of you. Satan wants to flood us, but Jesus wants to put a fountain inside of you. By the way, here's what's great. The fountain washes from the inside out. We always try to take care of the outward things in our lives instead of reading the word to getting in the fountain and letting the fountain wash us. Okay, this book will wash you. It says in Ephesians 5, I just have to read it. I just, I just can't pass up. I just have to read it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself her that he might sanctify and cleanse her, cleanse with the washing of water by the word. Okay, so our spirits are cleansed by the blood, but our souls are cleansed by the word. And you know where the the war is? It's in your mind, will, and emotions. If you're having a problem with thoughts and you say, I just can't overcome these thoughts of 
pride or greed or bitterness or anger or lust or whatever it is, it's because you're not washing with the Word. Let me, let me say it another way. You're not taking a bath. You read this book every day, it'll cleanse. It'll sanctify and cleanse your soul. Okay, so since I just said that, here's what I would like, here's what I'd like to say, okay? This next week, for God's sake, take a bath. Please. Please. Take a bath every day. Now, I'm going to give you a practical thing. You can do how, you can do more or less. During this series, would you just read at least one chapter a day and then meditate on one scripture a day? Put that scripture on your iPhone, however you want to do it. We used to do it on three by five note cards. They might not even make them anymore. I don't know. <laughs> but just meditate on one scripture a day. Like when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You could probably memorize that easily if you'll meditate it. Just meditate on it. When you're in one of those meetings and you're bored to death, get your iPhone out like you're taking notes and read the Bible. So my wife does this. She has a scripture, comes up on her iPhone. She set her iPhone to give her a scripture every day. So years ago, when she first got it, I have to tell you that I have a love-hate relationship. Actually, I hate, I, I, I hate phones. I hate cell phones because I think they're an invasion of privacy. That's just me. Um, I don't like them. We, all, we, we used to have an office phone and a home phone, right? And people didn't call you at home. Now they text you and email you all hours of the day. And it's just horrible. I think it's the worst thing in the world, personally. So, so I have a very private number, very private email, because I just, I'd like to be off sometime, you know? So... I made Debbie get a private email, private phone too, because hers would beep all the time. And I'd say, you know, we need to just me and you. So, but when she first got the iPhone, she, technology doesn't work for her. Now, just some people doesn't work. It's just all their, you know, like I can stand in my closet for 30 minutes and go through every shirt looking for my blue shirt. And then I'll do it again. Because I know when I bring her in, it's there. <laughs> I know it's there. And I know I'm going to get in trouble. But I, so I, I, I look through every shirt and then I say to her, I'm sorry, sugar, I can't find my blue shirt. She comes in, she says, it's right there. <laughs> okay, so we joke about this. She can find things in the closet or in a drawer, you know, that I can't find. But something's wrong. Technology hates her for some reason. So she'll say to me, I, 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 can't, I can't get the picture to come up. I, just, I can't get the picture to come up. And I go, there it is. You know, so it's sweet. That's what. Okay. But so I have to help her with her phone. So she started setting her phone to remind her about this scripture, you know. Um, but at 12 midnight, it would go, bing. So this is like 10 years ago, and I would just be dozing off, just getting into that REM sleep, you know. Bing. And I didn't know what it was. And, I, and I, I, for two or three nights row, I kept thinking, who is texting my wife? 
at midnight. Every night, midnight, exactly, 12 o'clock. Bing. So like the fourth night, I thought, I'm stopping this. I'm going to go over and I'm going to get her phone. And I'm going to text whoever this is in the church. And I'm going to say, this is Pastor Robert. Stop texting my wife at midnight and go to sleep. And I went over, picked up her phone, and this is what it said. You can see it on the screen. Guard your heart. (laughs) Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. (laughs) It was my scripture for the day. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We do this every week, and if you're new here, I want everyone to do it. I want Dr. Brooks to do it, Pastor James, Dr. Gillen, everybody. I want everybody to do this. Ask the Holy Spirit right now, what are you saying to me through this message? Because that's what's important. We go to church. We don't just go just to get information. We go to get transformation. So take a moment at the end of the message and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? You know, you might be dealing with a health situation right now. And Jesus said, these words are life and health to your whole body. The word of God is life and health to your whole body. So I don't know what you're going through, but I know where the answer is. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Start reading. If you don't read every day, read the Bible every day and meditate. Hide it in your heart. Meditate on at least one verse a day. We want to pray for you. If you're going through a difficulty, we we already named several difficulties. We all go through marriage, family, health, finances, our relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you need to give your life to Christ or you need to give your life back to God. We want to pray for you. And there'll be other people coming, so you're not going to be the only one. No one's going to, no one's going to think bad of you because a whole lot of people will come for prayer. We do it at the end of every service. In just a moment, we'll have a worship song at every campus, every overflow room. And if you need prayer for any area of your life, any area of your life, no matter which camps you're attending, as soon as we stand up, as soon as we stand up, you're going to see other people walking forward. You just stand up, step out to the aisle. It'll be easy to get to the aisle then. Come to the front of the room where you are and let us pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person, every person, Lord, that needs any prayer today at every campus. In Jesus' name, amen.